Well, again, good morning and welcome to One Life Community Church. My name is Greg and I'm one of the co-lead pastors here. I want to thank you for being here this morning as we join together to seek and engage with God because your presence and participation here is absolutely critical to the work that God is doing in the world to reconcile and restore all things. Um, Coming from that space, will you join me as I pray? God, we acknowledge that you have drawn us here. God, you have brought us here to engage with you, to be shaped by you, to be moved by you, to enjoy you. God, you bring us here to experience you. I pray that this morning you would tune our hearts so that we could hear you, that we could receive from you, that we could know you in all the ways that you've designed for us. And so, God, I pray that this morning would be a rich encounter with you um, and that we would leave here uh, being different than when we came in. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Before we start into our topic for this morning, I'm going to say something that I just feel like needs to be said. Sundays, when we gather here, we gather from all kinds of different places, different families, work conditions, economic status, social status, different ages, different health, different ethnicities, etc., and with lots of different expectations. I want you to know that we, as a staff and an elder board, are fully aware of the things that are happening in our world and in our country. And that we as a staff and an elder board do not condone racism or white supremacy of any kind. I also want you to know that as a white privileged male, I'm trying to own my part in that. But in saying that, you must also know that I'm trying to learn and grow in what that means because I still don't fully understand what that means. I still haven't fully seen all the ways that I have impacted any of those systems in any ways, but I'm trying to own it trying to understand it, trying to help. And I want to encourage each of you to examine yourself in light of the events that have happened in our country and see if you can discover where you're at and how you've either contributed, participated, spoke out against, or fought against some of these things happening. Now, some of you, just at me mentioning even vaguely these things, are cringing. You don't want to hear that from up front. Some of you are feeling a sense of relief. You've been waiting to hear this. Something. And some of you want to be able to leave here with all your problems solved and all your questions answered. Thankfully, that is not my job. And if you think it is, you can come and talk to me later. Um, But I do want to let you know that this series that we're going through, it may not always seem like it's attached to things like racism, power struggles, violence, It's partly because we don't always directly tie them together, but this series is intended to shape us in a way that we realize that we have an influence in this world. And so it's absolutely working against those things. Please don't think that it's not. Um, And so I just want you to hear that. Um, I saw a lot of stuff on Facebook this week, some encouraging and some troubling, and I I just wanted to let you know that, that it may not come up in every one of our sermons, We are very aware of these things, and and we do not support or condone them. Uh, So there you go. Uh, We are in week four of our sermon series entitled Everyday Influence, where we are exploring this reality that we do have an influence on our world and that we can have 
different types of influence. Uh, and we started out in this by remembering that we are all created in the image of God. That that's our starting point when we see someone. When I see you, I see you are created in the image of God. If I start from there, that changes how I interact with you. Then we looked at why the good news of Jesus, this thing we call the gospel of Jesus, is really good news. And that's going to come up a little bit later, so we'll, we'll, we'll get there. And last week we looked at how we are all priests. And that being a priest is the best job in the world because we get to love God and we get to love people. It's the hardest job in the world because, well, people, right? They're just involved, and so that makes it the hardest job in the world. And it's the most important job in the world because it's the very mission of God that we are his ambassadors in this world and participating in his work of reconciling all things to himself. And that all three of those things have an impact on the influence that we have on the people around us and the world we live in. Today, we're going to move into a new topic, and we're going to be talking about the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. And how without the moving of the Holy Spirit in our hearts and in the hearts of others and in the world around us, everything else we've talked about means nothing. Now, you might feel like that's a bold claim, and I think it is, but I also believe it's absolutely true. I just came back from our denomination's national gathering of pastors and leaders called General Council. And there, the General Superintendent of the Assemblies of God, the denomination we're affiliated with, Dr. George Wood, spoke at the opening night's evening session, and he said this. Only a church empowered by the Holy Spirit can reach this world. I think he's 100% right. If our church and our lives are not seeking and open to the movements of the Holy Spirit, we will not have our intended influence on the world around us. And so this morning, we're going to talk about two things concerning the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. The first of those is that the Holy Spirit is what I'm going to call the giving gift. The Spirit gives. And that gift that the Spirit gives is himself, is a person. And this is the most important gift of all the gifts, that the Holy Spirit gives, and it's the foundation or building block for all the other gifts that are around, that we read about in Scripture. It lays the groundwork for all of the other gifts. For in giving of himself, in giving himself, the Holy Spirit is showing that he is what Jesus said he was. And we read this in John 14, 16 through 17, where Jesus says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him or knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. Now this phrase, another advocate, in the Greek, come back to me, Greek here, there we go, is alas parakletos, means another advocate. Now there are two words uh, that are used to describe another uh, in the Bible. And it's different for us because we just have one. It's another. It's pretty simple. But there are two words in the Greek. And the first one is hetero, and that means another of a different kind. This is where we get the word homogeneity from, and that means the quality of being diverse in character and content. So we are all human beings. I could stand here, and, and, and Rich could come up, and I could say, here's another human being, but he is another that is in some ways like me, but is not entirely like me, has some differences than me. There's a diversity amongst us. It's it's, it's amongst all of us in this room. The other word is alas, and that means another of the same kind. It's one of the very same kind, same character, same everything. When Jesus says that the Father's going to send 
another. He's used this word alas, another of the same kind. And he says that he's going to send this alas parakletos. Now, a parakletos is a word, it's one who pleads another's cause before a judge, a pleader, a counselor for defense, a legal assistant, an advocate, and in the widest sense, a helper, a comforter, an aider, an assistant. So Jesus is saying that the Father is going to send you a gift. And that gift is the very person of the Holy Spirit who just happens to be just like me. So we have the gift of the Holy Spirit given by the Father through the Son. And the Spirit himself is a giving divine person who gives himself as the foundational gift to all other gifts. Okay, so we got that going. Let's hear a little bit more about who this Holy Spirit is. Because one of the things that often happens when people begin to explore the Holy Spirit, begin to learn about who the Holy Spirit is, is we shift from the Holy Spirit being a person to the Holy Spirit being kind of like this force or this power that we can somehow tap into. Now, I wish I could take you on a full-blown character tour of the Holy Spirit in the Bible. What I'm going to go through kind of scratches the surface, but I want you to just listen to this. The Holy Spirit is present and moving in creation. The Holy Spirit is one who gives wisdom and understanding and knowledge and skills. He empowers Israel's judges. He enables people to prophesy. The Spirit is an instructor. The Holy Spirit pulls people together. He is unfathomable. He anoints people to proclaim good news, to bind up brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom to captives, to release prisoners from darkness. Twelve times in the book of Ezekiel, Ezekiel said, The Spirit lifted me up. The Spirit enables people to be brave. The Spirit enables Mary to conceive and give birth to Jesus. The Spirit leads Jesus into the wilderness, gives us words to say when we don't know what to say, prays in us when we don't know what to pray, drives out demons, gives visions, enables us to praise God. The Spirit goes wherever He pleases. The Spirit gives life. The Spirit enables us to speak in different tongues and when necessary to have other people understand those. He reveals truth. He transports people through time and space. He heals. The Holy Spirit pours God's love into our hearts. The Spirit gives life. The Spirit enables us to cry, Abba, Father, to God, helps in our weaknesses, intercedes for God's people, searches all things, and the only one who knows the thoughts of God. The Spirit justifies us. The Spirit enables us to say, Jesus is Lord, distributes gifts as he sees fit to, baptizes with his presence, writes an author's life, brings freedom, is the giver of things like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, strengthens with power, renews, is eternal, can be insulted, can be grieved, carries us, is the truth. The Spirit speaks, the Spirit bears testimony to Jesus, the Spirit says, come and let the one who wishes take the free gift Of the water of life, the Spirit is all-knowing and all-powerful, gentle as a dove, purifies us. He is light for our path, gives zeal to our witness, and scatters us to bear witness to Jesus and empowers us to do so. The Spirit anointed Jesus. The Spirit empowered Jesus. The Spirit raised Jesus from the dead and seeks to replicate that same process in us, to anoint us, to empower us, and when the time comes, to raise our bodies from the dead and enable us to transition into new heaven and new earth when those show up. That's a resume, right? That looks pretty good. And that's barely getting at the presence and the work of the person of the Holy Spirit in Scripture, let alone the stories that many of us could tell. 
We're not just talking about a heartless force or some power. We are talking about the third person of the Trinity, a divine person with equal standing with God and Jesus, yet unique within the community of the Trinity. And in all things, the Spirit has one task, and that is to bring order out of chaos, to bring reconciliation to those who are in discord with God, to reveal who God is in the midst of many other voices, trying to win our allegiance and to remind us That we are image bearers created in the image of God for the purpose of living in confidence and worship in the presence of God. The Holy Spirit is on a constant mission to reveal God the Father and reveal Jesus. And what the Spirit does is enable us to do the one thing that we can't on our own, which is respond to that. This guy, Tom Smale, he says this. In the Holy Spirit, the eternal relationships between Father, Son, and Spirit, which we were made to image, are made manifest among us. And so as the Holy Spirit gives himself to us, and we get to know him, interact with him, the Spirit enables us to respond to God. Look at Romans 8.15. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship, and by Him we cry, Abba, Father. This word Abba is a word of tender intimacy between a, fa- excuse me, between a father and a child. It is the Spirit that enables us to cry that out. Spirit also enables us to respond to Jesus. 1 Corinthians 12, 3 says, And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit enables us to receive this good news that in Jesus' death on the cross and his resurrection three days later, God has removed the blockade of sin that kept us from being able to enter his presence. And now those who bear the image of God can enter into God's temple palace, into his presence with confidence. Not with fear or condemnation, but with our heads lifted up knowing that the debt for all sin has been paid. The work of Jesus Christ is indeed sufficient to cover all sin. And that work has been completed. It is finished. And so if we receive that reality, if we turn from the things that cause us to wander from God, if we turn away from the lies that we hear from the enemy in the world, if we turn to God and receive and believe the good news, and then we begin to live this new resurrected life right now, And then we get to participate with God in the work of being a priest in his temple palace of creation. And all of this happens by the power and the presence of the giving gift, the Holy Spirit, whom without we have neither a connection to God as Abba, nor an ability to respond to Jesus Christ as Lord. That's Holy Spirit 101. That the Holy Spirit is working in all the world to reveal Jesus is Lord and God is Father to all people in all places in all times. And by giving himself gives us the ability to respond as our own person, not under a spell or in a trance, but enabling us to enter into relationship with God with confidence that we are forgiven. Now if it's true that the Holy Spirit is working in all of this, the question is how do we know this? How do we see this? How do we respond to the Spirit? Well, Scripture says that the Spirit is like a wind. We can't always see the wind. We can't see the source of the wind, but we can see in the leaves and the trees and the things. When the tumbleweeds move across the ground, we can see where their Spirit is moving. Have you ever had a moment in your life where something happened, and you didn't know it was the Spirit, but then you looked back on it, and you were like, oh, yeah, that was the Spirit. My 
uh, sophomore year in college. Well, it started my freshman year. My parents gave me this. Uh, it was a brand new uh, Nissan hard body pickup, fire engine red, really nice stereo. I don't know what they were thinking. Uh, it's really generous of them. And, um, and I was driving, uh, I was back home uh, on a break, and I was driving to a friend of mine's house, uh, and I was in Gig Harbor on this really long stretch of straight road. Um, <clears throat> and at that time, pretty much from when I started driving uh, until, well, we don't need to say until when. Um, I, I and my friends, we were not known for necessarily following the speed limit. Um, so it was a 35, and I was just say we'll just say I was going significantly faster than that. Um, I also had had a friend who uh, my senior year in high school had died in a car wreck, wasn't wearing a seatbelt, and for like six months after that, my friends and I were the most militant seatbelt wearers on the planet. Uh, this time it was not law to wear your seatbelt, but if you knew us, we, we made it law, and we enforced it wherever we could. But as often happens with things, that began to fade. Um, and so I was driving down this road, pretty fast, straight road, no seatbelt on. I have just something in me that says, and it, it didn't say, put your seatbelt on. It said, Greg, put your seatbelt on, right? Now, when I think thoughts to myself, I very rarely put my name at the beginning. Sometimes I do, but not very often. Um, but this said, Greg, put your seatbelt on. Okay, I put my seatbelt on. Five seconds later... I ended up going off the road over a 20-foot embankment. The nose of the car hit the truck and then tipped over. So I ended up upside down, but not just a flip in the air upside down. Um, I was fine, thankfully. The truck was totaled, not thankfully. Um, But at that time, I wouldn't have said, oh, that was the Holy Spirit. But I look back on it now, and I am 100% confident that was the Holy Spirit. What else would prompt me Using my name, Greg, put your seatbelt on. Okay, boom, put my seatbelt on, right? That, sometimes we can see where the Spirit has been moving, but it's, we see it sort of in reverse. We go, oh yeah, that time in my life, oh yeah, that was the Spirit. But what about in those moments where we catch the wind right as it's moving? What does that look like? Well, think about the places where you work. Think about your neighborhoods, your home, your grocery store, the places where you're present. You ever see anything in there that looks like Jesus? Maybe amongst the people. You ever see anyone loving their kids, their spouse, sacrificing for the good of others? Ever see anyone being brave or courageous? Ever see anyone being a source of life to others? Ever see anyone being loving, joyful, peaceful, patient, kind, good, faithful, gentle, or self-controlled? You know, I used to think that a person could only really be any of those things if they were a Christian. That even if it looked like these things on the outside, if they didn't profess Jesus in that moment, then there was some kind of hidden evil meaning behind what they were doing. They really weren't kind or gentle or sacrificial. They were somehow getting something out of it. That was the only reason someone who didn't believe in Jesus could do something that looked like Jesus. That was my rationale for explaining that. But now I believe differently. I believe that these things are all evidence of the Holy Spirit working That this is out of our true created nature to be worshiping God. And that nature is finding ways that the Spirit interacts with us to try and direct us back to God. And so when we see these things in the lives of the people around us, we should go there. We should say, that was awesome. 
What you did, that's exactly how God would do something. That's what Jesus would have done. We don't tell people they can enter the presence of God with confidence. We tell them they're a mess. And God's really mad at them. And we have created a new holy of holies where we are the high priests. The world thinks that this, this building is where God dwells. This is the place where the high priest goes in to meet with God, us. And they're not welcome. I've told this story before, but it fits, so I'm going to tell it again. My um, dentist, this guy, um, one of the first times I went in to see him, he's like, what do you do and all this stuff, which of course, I don't know. Um, but I sort of garbled out that I'm a pastor, and he was like, oh, okay, that's cool. I, and he let me know right away, I don't really go to church, right? Kind of wanted to create that space, so we don't really have to talk about that. And I didn't say anything, and he just kind of said, well, it just seems hard to get there, and I, I, just, I just want to be a good dentist. And once he stopped working on my mouth, I said, you know, that's, that's an act of worship. And I actually want that to be an act of worship for you because I want you to be digging around in my mouth like you're doing it for God, right? But I said, but I said no, this, this is the thing. Like, you were created to do that, and you're good at it. So do it, and, and then honor God in that. Lift that up to God. Let that go to God, and that's an act of worship. And every time I went in to see him, he brought that up. He wanted to talk about that. He wanted to hear about that. Why? Because I let him know that he was created in the image of God to do something that honored God, to worship him, and that this is not the holy of holies, and that God doesn't only exist here with us. Because again, we've started to make this a new kind of holy of holies, and we take the place of high priests, and that's just craziness. That's why the work of us being priests in God's palace temple of creation, being about the work of reminding each other, waking each other up to the reality that we are created in God's image and sharing the good news that sin, the one thing that kept us out of God's presence like a barricade, can no longer do that. We can come into God's presence with confidence, we are told in Scripture. Now, I want to let you know, I could go on for a long time, but I'm aware of time, so I want to kind of start moving towards the end. I do want to talk about some of the gifts of the Holy Spirit that, that some of us are familiar with and end with a couple of stories. And I want to get in a little bit of stuff about repentance in here too because that's important. Um, so for many of us, the spiritual gifts are uncharted territory, at least we think they are. I think you'll find that uh, you may have been moving in some of the gifts of the Spirit of the Holy, of the Holy Spirit and not even knowing it. Uh, there are lots of gifts. There's speaking in tongues, interpreting tongues, prophecy, words of knowledge, faith, teaching, hospitality, and so much more. And I want to encourage you to go. It's really easy. Go on Google. Do a search for gifts of the Spirit. Take what you find. Take it back to the Bible. Start exploring those things in your own study. And then what I want you to do is I want to, I want to give you this challenge. Every day, I want you to ask the Holy Spirit to come and move in your life. I want you to ask the Holy Spirit to come and move in your home, in your neighborhood, in your city, in your workplace, wherever you are present. I want you to ask the Holy Spirit to be present and moving in all those places. And then I want you to look. Look. Where did I see that today? Where did I see anything that looked like Jesus? Where did I see it? And it might come in ways that you don't even know. Someone might come up to you and say, well, I had this dream last night. And they'll tell you this dream and you'll go, oh, whoa, that's exactly about me. Or I'm going to tell you about that. Right? There's all kinds of ways that this may happen. But you have to try it. You have to do something. Okay? 
I want to tell you a story about a, a friend of mine. Um, there was a time uh, where um, I, uh, I was... Uh, let's see, how do we do this? So um, there's an aspect of praying in tongues that is just between you and God. There's praying in tongues and speaking in tongues where other people are present and interpreting, and that's one aspect. The other is when I'm praying on my own, and it's just a language between God and I, and the Spirit enables it, the Spirit moves it, and it's fantastic. Joe Castleberry, uh, the president at Northwest University, says we get to speak off tape, like all the lies that people have told us about who we are and what we do and how we can work and move. All those things, we get to let go of all that, and we get to speak without that script kind of holding us in place. And so I was doing that, practicing it, working on it, exploring it. Uh, and there was this word that I kept repeating, and it, and it sounded like a specific language. Uh, and so I had a buddy who uh, his, his ethnicity matched that language, and so I went and talked to him, and I said, hey, because uh, I didn't want to get too far into it, but I wanted to find out what that word meant maybe. And so I said, hey, have you ever heard this word before? And he said, oh, yeah. Yeah, it means grace. And I was like, oh, that's cool. He's like, yeah, 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 but it's not just grace. It's like grace if you were going to talk about like God, like God's grace. It's like the, the language that like a, a preacher or something would use. And I was like, okay, okay. Um, and he said, why? And I was like, oh, boy. Um, here we go. So I said, oh, I heard somebody say it. And he's like, what were they doing? And I was like, oh, well, uh, have you ever heard about speaking in tongues? And he was like, oh, yeah, how did you hear that? And I was like, oh, I just heard it. Right, some guy was saying it, and he was like, some guy, and I said, yeah, yeah, and he was like, was it you? And I was like, man, right, but that's the spirit working in him, right? The spirit saying, don't, don't cut me short, man, don't leave me hanging here, you gotta come, and you gotta, I'm moving, you gotta roll with me, and I'm gonna dig it out of you through this guy if I have to, but, so I said, yeah, it was me, and, and he goes, wow, and I was like, wow, wow, what, and he said, that makes me feel like God gave you that word so you would think of me and then come to me and tell me about God's grace. Oh, right? I was like, yes, yes, that's exactly what it means. And, and yes, good job, right? You, you figured it out. But right, so, so that's one example, right? You, you might get questions about things. Go and talk to someone. Explore it. Move with it. Because if you don't, you're going to miss something. Okay, one last story. I... Um, Last week, I told you how I was working, or I was at, a couple weeks ago, I was at my 30-year high school reunion, and I was talking with some people, and, and some really cool things were happening. Um, I didn't tell you about this one guy who, uh, in high school, no one, no one liked this guy, and I didn't like this guy. Um, and he showed up at the reunion, and he was exactly the same, right? And I was not liking him again. And I was sitting at a table with a bunch of friends, and we're having great conversations, right? And he comes up and kind of, I mean, the chairs were like this far apart, and he comes and takes a chair and just kind of wedges it in between and scooches me over and scooches my friend over, and I was like, come on, right? This is just like you were in high school, right? And I, I was not enjoying this, and he started talking in a really loud voice and kind of dominating the conversation. A couple people were like, oh, I'm going to go get some food. And, and I could see this happening. And, and everyone else at the table, there were about eight of us left, just kind of started pairing up and talking about other things and turning away. And I was so tempted to. But that same voice that said, Greg, put your seatbelt on, said, Greg, don't turn away from this guy. Don't turn away. 
If you're here last week, you remember that I was in this mode of telling people things that I believed were both true and good about them. I felt like this is one of the things the Holy Spirit was doing, was giving me truths to say about who I knew these people to be that maybe they had forgotten. And so I was trying to do that with this guy, but he's making it really hard. And so I'm trying to listen and find the good thing. And I felt, I felt the Spirit say, Greg, you, you're making him like a project. Don't, don't just listen to find this thing so you can tell him something and get rid of him. Like, listen to him. So I was like, okay, okay, okay. So now I'm, I'm trying to listen to him. And all of a sudden, I find myself kind of fascinated by his story. Right? And, and I allowed myself to roll with that. And, and out of high school, he had joined the military. And I was like, wow, what branch? And what did you do? And oh, that's, how was that? And he had a few jobs since then and was doing fine. But then he uh, took some time off and bought some land. Uh, and uh, he and his wife moved his mother-in-law in. And he stopped working so he could be a primary caregiver for his mother-in-law. He had, two, he had a bunch of kids, but two of them, uh, which had both uh, graduated high school, gone into the military, were now in college pursuing medical careers. Uh, and he said of both of them, he said, Who would have known that something that I had any part in creating would end up amounting to anything? And I was like, oh, there it is. You you already know what everyone else is telling you. How could anything I had a part in amount to anything? That's what everyone at this table is telling you. He knew he wasn't perfect. He didn't need to hear that from me. I remember sensing how proud he was of his kids, and I said to him, you know what? You're doing an amazing job caring for your family. You've really done well as a father and as a son, as a son-in-law, and that's amazing. It takes so much courage to raise your kids well and be sacrificial to your family and your your mother-in-law who needs your care. It's amazing that you've done that. And he stopped and looked at me like I was speaking a foreign language to him. Some of the people around me heard this, and they stopped their conversations because they're trying to figure out what had just happened. Why were they silent? Why was this guy taken aback? Why did some of them stop their conversations, even if just for a moment it wasn't because I had said something earth-shattering, but it was because an image-bearing human being was beginning to remember what they were created for, and that was to be in relationship with God to love God and to love their neighbors. And worship was happening, and the Holy Spirit was bringing order out of chaos, and everyone there could feel it. They may not have known it or named it to the Holy Spirit, but they felt the presence of the Spirit hovering and moving. How many of our friends are waiting to remember who they have been created to be? How many people are waiting to hear the good news that the thing that at one time had kept them at bay, this blockade of sin that wouldn't allow us to get to God has been taken care of, and all a person needs to do is receive that, to turn away from lies, to turn away from things that are holding them back, to turn away from things that people are saying about them that aren't true, and turn to God. It's called repentance. Simply means to turn from one thing to another. So a person in order to receive and live this forgiveness needs to turn from the things that aren't from God. Lies, untruths, accusations. And live as who they're created to be and experience new life in the presence of God. Believe in the good news. What if we believed that the Holy Spirit was the one who'd enabled 
all of us to respond to God. Then it's not up to me to control this conversation. I don't have to manipulate your response. Instead, I can live honestly as a follower of Jesus. Yet we stand ready to accuse them of being sinners. And not without reason. We're all sinners. But again, most of the people I know, they wouldn't use the word sinner, sinners, but most people I know, they're aware that they're not perfect. They're aware that there's some kind of bridge they can't cross, and that is the work of the accuser. That's the work of the devil. Jesus says the devil's native language is lies. So we have another advocate. Alas, Parakletos, who reminds us of who we are, that we are God's children, his image bearers, and then he enables us to respond to God as Abba, that tender, gentle, intimate relationship we can have with God and to proclaim Jesus as Lord. That is good news. Now, I have a couple of questions I'm going to put up on the screen in just a second that I want to we're going to give you some time to respond to. Uh, worship and prayer teams, you can come up, but take your time. I'm going to be a minute. Uh, so <clears throat> in a second, when those questions go up, you can write your answers down in the, on your connection cards and put them in the wood boxes as you exit. Uh, and the worship team is going to give you some time to play, and uh, they're going to play and give you some time to respond to those. Um, and then when they start singing, you can receive that as your invitation to join them singing also. But if you need to keep writing, keep writing. But I also want to let you know the prayer team is going to be up here. So at any time, as soon as the music starts, you can come up and be prayed for. Now, you may be hearing this for the first time today, and you might have some questions. We would love to talk to you about that. We would love to pray with you about that. So please, come up and talk to us. You can do that as soon as the music starts playing. Or if you came with someone, talk to them. You may be hearing this for the first time, and there's something in you that is not just asking questions, but something in you that's saying yes. I want you to know that Jesus says it only takes a mustard seed of faith to move a mountain. So don't feel like you have to have it all figured out. But if you sense that any part of you, one molecule of your body is orienting itself towards Jesus, I want you to know that that is the Holy Spirit moving in you, helping you respond to Jesus. If you feel that is happening and you want to turn from lies, turn from things that are holding you back from new life, please... Come forward, and we would love to pray with you, talk with you about that. Again, mustard seed can move a mountain. Can a molecule of faith move your body to come up and be prayed for? I hope so. Um, or if you came with someone, please talk and pray with them. If you've been following Jesus for some amount of time, short, long, but this stuff about the person and work of the Holy Spirit is new to you, please come and talk with us. This is every, everything. Come and talk with us. We want to pray with you. And lastly, if you feel like your ability to move in influential ways in the world has been blocked, shut off, hindered in some ways, um, I want you to come down and we're going to pray for you to have a renewing and empowering moment with the Holy Spirit. Uh, because that is what he does in us. It reminds us of who we are, enables us to engage with God, and sends us out as his witnesses uh, in this world. So if you feel like, man, I really want to do that, but I feel like it's really difficult and it's not happening, please come down. And we'll, we'll pray that the Holy Spirit will meet you. Uh, and then I think he will be faithful uh, to do that. Uh, so uh, with that, here are the questions that I have for you. Again, you can come forward, be prayed for any of those things. Uh, first question. What did you hear? 
or what stuck out to you uh, in, this, in our time this morning. Uh, second thing, how has this series whoa, uh, impacted your understanding of uh, evangelism? Has this series impacted it? If so, how? Um, and three, do you typically think of the Holy Spirit as more of a person to be in relationship with or more of a force uh, to be used or encountered? Uh, and I also want you to remember the challenge of praying to the Holy Spirit, asking him to move in our lives, our neighborhoods, our cities, uh, and then go and look for him as we move through our days. Uh, I'm going to pray, and then the worship team will start. Holy Spirit, uh, I know we all mean for you to be welcome here. We all intend for you, and, and would maybe not all of us, but... but some of us want you to come and move. Um, but there's something important about speaking it. And so, Holy Spirit, I invite you to come and, and be present. To come and, and move in our hearts and our minds and our bodies in this place. And our voices as we sing. Whatever it is, we, we want to be immersed in your presence. So I pray that you would come and move as we respond to questions and as we think about what this means to go out into the world and have an influence and look for you and where you're moving, knowing that you are guiding us in all that we're doing to even look for that. I pray we would just be in sync with you and have a close relationship with you. So help us to get there. Um, yeah. So, so Lord, I just want to ask that we be open to what you want to do. Uh, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.